0: Good evening church, evening church, there we go, I, uh, it's my privilege to tackle the next tough question, or well, sometimes I don't have privilege, or some of these, they don't call tough for, for nothing, but uh, before I get into that, I want to remind you what we're going to be doing over these next seven weeks, is that first of all, we want to make believers into thinkers, Yes. Uh, if you're here tonight, I want to welcome you. Maybe you're not regularly at church. It's okay. But, um, our scriptures as Christians tell us in one Peter chapter three, verse 15, it says, every Christian, you and me, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. Isn't that awesome? That as Christians, we have a reason for what we believe. It's rational. It's factual. It's not just something that's experiential, but we have a reason for following Jesus. And we're unpacking that over these next couple of weeks. But the second thing we want to do is we want to make thinkers into believers. Maybe you like me. I like thinking about some big stuff. But what you realize, what you'll soon realize is about the Christian faith. Far from it being somehow telling you to suppress your mind, in actual fact, the very first thing you need to do if you want to become a Christian, our scriptures say, is you have to have an open mind. You have to be willing to change that mind. We call that word repentance. Isn't that interesting? And in actual fact, the greatest command that God gives us as his followers is to love him with all of our hearts, all of our soul, with all of our minds, with all of our strength. And so as Christians, we are called to love God with our minds. And our faith invites thinkers. It welcomes thinkers. It's the way that you come to faith is by opening up your mind and to be reasoned with. And that's part of my job here tonight, is hopefully helping you on your journey as you journey with us over these next seven weeks to come a bit closer to faith. So next slide. Thanks, Matt. Oh, that is me in all of his glory studying pharmacy. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Despite that picture, my wife still thinks I should grow my hair. Now, that's someone who really loves you, right? Unconditionally. Till death do you part. So uh, my background is one of science. Um, the old-fashioned word for a pharmacist is chemist. I think that is appropriate. Chemistry was my life for four years, and we covered all the major disciplines of chemistry. And uh, I'm quite aware that there might be a lot more clever people here tonight, but that's my background. I love science, and um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about prepping for this Sunday was getting to exercise some of my biochem lectures, thinking about the debates we'd have and it um, was a great time of, of stimulation and, and testing of faith. And uh, I want you to know tonight, I'm going to try and move slowly, but I'll speed up at the end. Because not everybody has had the opportunity of engaging with what we mean by science and evolution. And I hope you will respect the fact that we're trying to keep things simple. And I might not answer all the questions tonight, but that's your invitation. Afterwards, you come chat to us. We've got a cardiologist here. We've got a, a pharmacist. We'll do our little best um, to answer more questions, but I'm hoping that you'll see tonight something that uh, is quite exciting for me that I can be a person of science and be a person of faith. And that's what we want to engage in tonight. So, don't worry about taking notes, these will be available, not the picture online. Kerry, you are telling Dane, she's not posting this on Facebook to understand. I've, I've set my, put myself out on a limb here. All right. So, thanks, Matt. Next slide. So let's recap from last week because it's really important what Joe spoke about. He asked the first question and tried to answer it is, how can we be sure God exists? And there were two important arguments for the existence of God. The first is the existence of the universe. How did all of this glorious universe just rock up? And that was what he said was, if something has a beginning, it has to have a cause. And we said the universe was made up of time and space and matter and physical energy. And so whatever created the universe had to be beyond time and space and matter and physical energy. And Joe put it so well. Doesn't that sound like a lot like God? And the second was this awesome argument or evidence is the just-so universe where this universe shows the most incredible fine-tuning where 50 interdependent constants have to be operating perfectly in order for life to be possible on this planet. And so not only is there a cause for this universe that's beyond the universe, and we said it was God, but this God is highly intelligent. He is able to create 50 interdependent constants in order that we can breathe oxygen and have a life that we can enjoy on this planet. Next slide. So my job tonight is to tackle the second tough question, which is, does science and evolution contradict Christianity? Well, there is a really strong and powerful and popular assumption that science and evolution oppose faith. So the way it works is this, if, if you're a rational thinking person and you're scientific, it must be really hard to be a person of faith because faith so unintellectual. That's what people think. And really, the reason why this has come about, it's quite a new phenomenon, is because of this theory of evolution. And evolution claims scientifically, so we assume, to explain the origin of life. And so if you believe in evolution as a scientist, well, then you've explained the existence of life. And therefore, you don't really need there to be a God, because evolution supposedly says you don't need a God. Science can explain in the theory of evolution while life exists you with me and so in a sense you almost have to choose a camp if you believe in evolution how can you believe in god because technically evolution explains away the need for god and so if you're a thinking person like myself and a scientist it almost should feel like faith is incompatible with science they conflict with each other and that's what we want to probe tonight is that thought, that assumption. And let's start together with the guy that started it all with his groundbreaking hypothesis on evolution called Charles Darwin. That's the guy. And he wrote a book called The Origin of Species in 1859. Now, you have to know that title on its own and what it claims, the origin of life. That's technically what it's saying. It's a big statement. Next slide. And essentially what the theory of evolution proposes is that every successive life form comes from a previously more primitive one. So if you look at this picture, they start off as an ape. He develops picking up a stone. He got better at killing things with a stone and moved to a spear. And then, ladies, what we call shopping is actually hunting in our modern day and age. There's been such an evolution that now we're so advanced, we no longer need stones. We just rock up at our local pick and pay, and we do some hunting. So... There's a big assumption around this. The assumption is, this is what Darwin said, is if you trace all the way back off the charts, you should get to an ancestor, a single-cell organism that gave rise to life and all the species that came from it. We all come from a moment when life first began and as far as we know, it was most likely a single-cell Now, next slide. The theory of evolution, there's some stuff in it that we all agree on. It's important you know this. Not everything about evolution is contested. In actual fact, everyone believes that living things can adapt and change over time to their environment. And the example of that is Darwin, when he was sitting on his islands in the Galapagos Pacific, next slide, thanks, Matt, is he observed a species of finch where Based on what kind of food was available on that island, certain finches thrived. And he realized it was because of, If, let's let's say, for instance, there was fruit on that specific island. The finch which had the right-shaped beak that could eat the fruit survived. All the others died off. The one that had the right-shaped beak that could eat the grubs survived. And all the others died off in that area of the island. And so, in actual fact, we call that natural selection. Have you ever heard of survival of the fittest? That's what evolution proposes. And this is a scientific fact. It's called microevolution. Micro meaning little. Within a single species, you can have adaptation and changes that are evolutionary. But the next slide is the leap that Darwin made, which was a massive leap. He said that because of this evidence of microevolution, this small changes of adaptation within a single species, then surely macroevolution should be possible. And macroevolution, macro meaning big, is that it's not just change within a species, it's one species changing into an entirely new species. And I'm sure some of you have known the example of us being coming or, 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 or advancing from the ape, that an ape could evolve into a human being. And that is called macroevolution, and that's where there's disagreement. Where in the theory of evolution, Darwin used a lot of his evidence for macroevolution, but that evidence was microevolution. And he said, well, based on what his hypothesis is, everything comes back to one single cell, one great ancestor, and species could evolve from other species. And that's where the debate happens about What is the extent of that evolution? Is macroevolution possible? Are you all with me so far? Well done. Now, we want to probe a little bit. Thanks. Next slide, Matt. You need to know that there are some three big puzzle pieces in this theory of evolution that are missing, that are assumed. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. The first big puzzle piece that evolution does not actually address is the formation of the universe itself. In other words, evolution assumes that the raw material, the carbon and the nitrogen and the oxygen and all these things, the raw material that are required for life to exist, has just been there. Evolution never explains how it got there. That's important. The next big missing puzzle piece of the theory of evolution is how out of this dead stuff... Life spontaneously erupted. So you've got a whole bunch of dead elements and matter in carbon. How out of this did the first life form suddenly spring up? It's the second big puzzle piece that evolution doesn't quite answer. And the third, which for me is perhaps the most amazing, is that the encoding of complex information that makes organic life possible. How many of you have heard of DNA or RNA, right? The simplest life form needs an enormous amount of complex energy for it to exist. And scientists can't quite explain that either in the theory of evolution. So let's probe each one on its own. The first piece, missing puzzle piece, is the formation of the universe. Is how did the existence of this raw material called the universe come into being in the first place? And Darwin never, ever actually explains how it comes into being he just implies it's there and it's a bit like declaring according to mark mittelberg in his own words in the beginning the stuff was already there the heavens and the earth and the stuff rattled around bumping into itself and over tons of time it ultimately got its act together randomly without cause or purpose or outside help of any kind it arranged itself into exact elements and order necessary to cause self-replicating and upwardly evolving life to suddenly leap into existence. Massive. Most scientists today agree that the universe was formed in one cataclysmic explosion called the Big Bang. And this Big Bang, scientists have named it, but they have not been able to explain it And the leading observational cosmologist, Alan Sandage, in the world says this Big Bang was a supernatural event that cannot be explained within the realm of physics as we know it. And can I point out to you tonight, nowhere in the theory of evolution does it disprove the existence of God. In actual fact, God has to exist in order to have made it possible. Because something outside of the universe had to bring it into being. Let's do the second big puzzle piece that's missing. is the origin of the first life form. So out of this dead man, let's just assume it was there. But somehow, spontaneously, life had to come out of this stuff, this raw material, these ingredients. And what's been interesting is, as science is evolving, so we have more and more information and Klaus Dose, a biochemist, says more than 30 years of experimentation on the origin of life in the fields of chemical and molecular evolution have led to a better perception, listen to these words, of the immensity of the problem of the origin of life on Earth rather than to its solution. At present, all discussions on principle theories and experiments in the field either end in stalemate or in a confession of ignorance what they are discovering is as they are digging deeper into the earth it's called fossils and it kind of shows you how the earth has aged what they have discovered contrary to Darwin's theory of being able to trace a kind of evolutionary process where primitive more and more primitive life forms are discovered what they found is in actual fact, life just exploded it's called the Cumbrian explosion Suddenly, there's just these millions of bacteria that just rocked up on the Earth, and they can't explain how they got there. There's no previous life forms that explain their existence. And so fossils are pointing in the opposite direction to Darwin in that they're saying that life seems to have erupted on this planet, not evolved at its simplest level. The second for me is fascinating, as a pharmacist treated biochemistry, one, one, one back Thanks, Maddie. Is a single protein molecule. How many of you have heard of a protein here? Now it has little building blocks called amino acids. Well done, you guys are gonna pass your exams. And do you know that there are different kinds of amino acids, you get left-handed amino acids and you get right-handed amino acids. And for a single protein to form, a left-handed amino acid has to fall perfectly into place to form a perfect bond. To form a single protein. Do you know what the likelihood of that is? I'm gonna flip to the next, now you can do it. The probability of a left handed amino acid falling perfectly into place to form a single protein is one chance in a trillion, 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 125 zeros. And for one single cell organism, which is the simplest form of life, organic life on this planet that we know of, that would have to happen 300 times. I don't know about you, like Mark Mittelberg said, if you're betting, you would never bet against those odds, right? So scientists will say it is highly, 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 highly improbable. In plain English, it's impossible. That 300 to 500 of these occurrences would have to happen to form a single cell. Isn't that incredible? The third, oh sorry, so just quickly. The theory of evolution can't seem to explain the fact that we needed a designer for that. And the third is this. The third missing puzzle piece is the encoding of information. In order for evolution to be possible, there needs to be vast amounts of complex information available for even the simplest organism to live. One of the great breakthroughs that happened in our modern age of science was the mapping of the human genome, the DNA. The guy who who did it is called Francis Collins, and he wrote a book called The Language of God. Isn't it beautiful? Do you know that the human DNA is three billion letters long? If you read three letters a second, it would take you 31 years to read. That's in one cell in the human body that enables organic life to happen. That is mind-blowing. And scientists, even the most atheistic evolutionary scientists, doesn't matter how much that they, they cannot explain how this complexity of information evolved. It is so enormous that the leap of evolution that it requires, it is impossible, and there's no evidence to point to it. And so, in summary, what are, where do we stand in this aspect of evolution? Well, firstly, only a supernatural event, a miracle of God, can explain the universe's universe's existence. Evolution can't. Secondly, science and evolution cannot offer any real answers to the origin of life. In fact, evidence points to a designer. And thirdly, so it's not just this random sort of occurrence. No, no, it was highly designed. And thirdly, science and evolution cannot explain the encoding of complex information. And evidence points not only just to a designer, but he is incredibly intelligent. And so you're left with the conclusion, and I'm saying this respectfully tonight, but this is where I'm at. It seems you need an intelligent God to exist in order to hold to the theory of evolution. Something has to be creating the universe and a design in order order to even first prop up what the theory of evolution claims to be. You still with me? Well done. So this is where we're going to come to. I'm almost finished. Aren't you proud of me? But I say that, put me to the test. Next, next, next slide. Science and evolution. Where does it leave at? Science and evolution and the Bible. This is the big question. Do they contradict? Are they in conflict? And can I say to you tonight, Bible-believing Christians hold different views about the first two chapters of Genesis, which is our scriptures, which explain the creation event. All of them differ. All of them hold to faith in Christ. And uh, I'll let you know what I believe. I do not believe the earth is young. And I'm not the first to say that. St. Augustine of Hippo, one of our great church fathers, 1,700 years ago, realized that as he opened up Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the way he read it was that it was impossible that the earth could be explained as being six 24-hour periods. Now, that might be offensive to some here. I recognize that, but I'm just sharing my scientific space. Why do I say that? Do you know that it was only on the fourth day that the sun was created? How do you calculate 24 hours before the sun exists? Thank you, Niteska. Secondly, God says he had to plant the garden and the plants grew up. How many of you were at that checkers run where you bought those little seeds? Mine has still got to grow. Something's horrendously wrong with my herb garden. It takes a long time, right? But the greatest one, the one which I think for me is the, the, the best. And can I just say, if you don't agree with me on this, it's fine. We, we, we still hold to Christ. But I just want to share from a scientific point of view. Is when Adam's told to count all the, not to count, to name all the animals. Do you know how many animals there are? Anybody been able to study biology for finals in one day? Not me. And then when Eve rocks up, he goes, at last, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. If you've been waiting for someone for less than 24 hours, do you have that kind of response? <laughs> my wife would see 24 hours on her own as a holiday. And yeah, Adam goes, at last, you've come. I'm sick of the otter. I'm sick of the snake. I'm sick. Uh, finally, a woman. Some of us have been through the dating game, and you know what it's like. Eventually, you find maybe a lifeblood. Maybe you're still looking. You know, it's like, ah, come on. When is it going to come? You find, at last. Friends, today, can I just say to you, my view is that the Bible is not a scientific book. It's not trying to prove in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 with scientific accuracy, how things unfold. No, no. What it's trying to do is helping natural people with natural minds understand a supernatural event. Do you notice that every time, Christians, this is for you, if you if you don't believe in the Bible, we'll get there next week. Come next week. It's a great question. Christians, do you notice every time God gets more and more supernatural in what he's trying to explain, the Bible gets more and more pictorial? Pictures. Anyone read Revelation here lately? It's so beyond the prophecies in the book of Daniel. If you don't know this, don't worry. Come back next week. Genesis 1 and 2. The more God has to try and explain a supernatural event, he has to help these natural minds of ours with pictures. Do I believe God created the earth? Yes. Do I believe it could be over ages that Genesis 1 and 2 show that God designed it? Yes, but did he do it his own way? In his own time, yes. And if anybody said to me tonight, which I'm skeptical about, if anyone said, Matt, they have found proof that evolution, macro evolution, it is the reality, it is indisputable, it wouldn't even change my faith. Because evolution cannot explain away the need for God's existence. And even that evolution doesn't change the fact that you and me are here by divine purpose. So can I say to you, you do not need to go through two conversions, as Mark Mittelberg says, if you, do, if you hold to a theory of evolution. I'm skeptical of macroevolution, but even if you hold to evolution, can I say to you, you don't have to change your mind in order to come to faith in Jesus. You don't have to change your scientific opinion and then change your faith opinion around Christ. You with me? Scripture gives a lot of scope for science. So, my last slide, I think. Second last slide. If God exists, where does that leave you and me? Oh, guys, this is the most important of them all. If there is an intelligent God behind the miracle of creation who has designed the universe with such care, do you not think he has designed your life? Let me unpack it a little bit. If this creation is by purpose and its design is by a God that had a plan don't you think that you are here by some purpose and foreordained design? Don't, don't you think that if creation wasn't this random event of throwing things together, that it was planned and perfected and, and designed by this God in heaven, that you are here with a purpose because you are part of a creation with a purpose? And the second is this, is if he's an intelligent being, don't you think he can be known and communicated with? An experience, don't you think you've got let me let me explain to you like this. I have a wife, she's a really good artist. Her name's Marina. And I look at her art on our walls at home. And when I look at that art, I can see aspects of my wife coming through, her favorite colours. She's got quite a, a trendy kind of way of, of doing things. I don't know Marina personally, but I can get to know a little bit about her about what she's made, right? Guys, tonight, if God has made human beings that are relational, even monkeys. I was at a at a game reserve in Kruger last year, and there was a family of monkeys. It was amazing. The mom and dad were playing with the kids. They were laughing and playing and playing tricks on each other. There was this relationship, and we see this relationship even in creation. Don't you think a God who has made relationship is relational? Don't you think that a God that's created communication Loves to be communicated with? And in thinking about that tonight, if you are here, not randomly, but by design, and this God that put you here, he put you here with the capacity for relationship and communication, don't you think the most important question and quest in your life is finding about, out about the one who put you here? Can I just push pause for a moment? Some of us here tonight, you've looked for answers everywhere. You look for answers in, I'm a pharmacist, drugs, right? You've looked for answers in relationships. You've looked in nature, everywhere that you can possibly look. And you're here tonight because you have a big question, a question that is unanswered as, where can I find life? Can I say you're on the journey that is for every human being. You are seeking the one Who put you here? And the most important thing of your life is not how big your house is. That won't find you purpose. Not how successful you are in your job. That won't find you purpose. What will meet the need in your life for understanding why you're here is experiencing and knowing the one who put you here. And so your searching can stop right now, here tonight. Is you were designed... Or the one who made you. And he's called God. My last slide is this. So where does faith come in? Because doesn't faith, can I just explain this for a moment, feel anti-science? In other words, faith is believing something without any proof, right? Isn't that the opposite of science? You can't prove faith. Faith is saying, no, no, you have to receive and believe. All of these arguments come down to this final question of, What's the place of faith in a scientific age? Well, can I just point out to you tonight? If God is beyond the universe, and scientists are saying we cannot go beyond nature. There was a start to our lives, to this universe, and study can only get you to a point. In other words, no matter how much you study nature, You'll never be able to encounter a supernatural God. Don't you think tonight, if God has to reveal himself, a supernatural being, to natural people, he needs to help us? You with me? No matter how much you study science, nature, the natural, will not help you know personally someone who's supernatural. Supernatural. He has to step into nature and show us who he is. A supernatural God has to give us supernatural help. My friend, that is what is called revelation. Revelation. And faith is saying, I believe that this revelation from a supernatural God, and as Christians we say the greatest revelation of who God is, is Jesus Christ coming down to earth. That is the Father revealed to the world in his Son, Jesus Christ faith is the point where you say i believe that revelation is correct and authoritative for my life i submit to what that revelation is that's what faith is i believe And you might saying well matt that's all very well but how do you know that the christian revelation is the right one islam claims a revelation hinduism claims a revelation new age claims a revelation how do you know that this Christian gospel, we call it, this Christian revelation in Jesus Christ is the right one. And you might be surprised at my answer. Can I say to you tonight, why don't you come and see? When I read about the stories of Jesus, and when people came to meet him right early on, they were called disciples. When they first met Jesus, what they did was they ran to everybody around them and said, hey, come and see what this man did in my life, what he told me, what he told me. Come and see. Come and see what he's done for me. There was a woman at a well where she met Jesus. Man, she had a rough background. She had four husbands and was on her fifth trial. And man, Jesus ministers into her life. She runs away. She goes to her town and says, come and see. Come and see this incredible guy. He told me everything I've done. Come and meet Jesus. Friends, can I say to you tonight, I am a scientist by training. I have learned that Christ is real, not even by some scientific theory. Oh no, no, they point to him. But what made me know him was the moment I came to faith in Christ. And I wanna say to you tonight, come and see this glorious Jesus. There are many people in this room whose greatest testimony and evidence that he's real is not just some theory of evolution. Evolution doesn't even answer the big questions. What is the big answer or the big thing that people say in my life that I know Christ is real is this that he has come into my life and changed me. And you can try, Islam, and you can try, you can go, that's okay. But you're here tonight. Won't you try us first? Won't you try Christ first? Because you know what will happen. This is what it requires on your side. You know what will happen? If you will come authentically, listen to my words now. If you will come authentically, openly, and earnestly to Jesus, you might be saying, Jesus, if you exist, I want to know you. Maybe that's where you're at tonight. It's enough. Do you know what the psalmist says? You know what the psalmist, I'm on good ground here. It says, the word of the Lord proves true. And that's been the story of my life. Faith is going, oh, I don't know if this is the right way, but God, I'm going to trust you. And when I've gone on the other side, I tell you, the word of the Lord has proved true. You've got nothing to lose. How's normal life going for you? It wasn't great for me. Here's somebody who studies molecules to try and make people happy. I wasn't very happy. Don't you think it's ironic? Here's a guy who is trying to keep people alive. They keep dying. And if you haven't sorted out the big question, my friend, the big question is, not how pretty your wife is going to be one day or how much money you have. Is that if God exists, what happens one day when I meet him? And investigate these things. I don't have time to carry on, but just think about this. Where are people flocking to in the world at the moment? Is it to the countries where Islam is so prominent? Is it in the countries where Hinduism is so prominent? Let me tell you, it's countries to where the Christian gospel historically has been powerful. What kind of society does this gospel create? What kind of people does this gospel create? There's not much of it left anymore in the West, but let me tell you, the West has flourished because of Christian principles. Ask the questions. Say, surely, if God has designed me and my answers are only found in him, my life is bigger than stuff. Let me tell you tonight, Jesus is offering you something that you're looking for. It's not life On the outside coming in, it's life on the inside coming out. Why don't you come and see? Come and see. My life has been a testimony of I have never been disappointed. And many of us here are here in the same space. Let's all stand together. I'm going to ask the team to come up. I want to, before we move into the song that just proclaims God's glory, I want us just to close our eyes for a moment. I needed help to come and see Jesus. And I want to be the same help that someone was to me one day. I want to be that for you tonight. And tonight, if you know what I'm talking about, you know where you've been. Man, you don't have to be 60 years old to know that this life does not keep all its promises. And I sense tonight what was shared earlier. Maybe someone's in depression. Maybe somebody is sick, but not outwardly, but in their soul. Can I say to you tonight, Jesus is the only one that can meet that sickness. It's the absence of Him. He's where you're meant to find your life. And I want to help anybody here who hasn't come to that place yet, or maybe just wants to take God. I've heard a lot of stuff from other religions. I've heard a lot of stuff, but tonight I'm desperate. If if you are real, Jesus. Would you just show me who you are? If that's you tonight, would you say these words to Jesus? Say these words to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need you. Say that to him. Jesus, I need you. And I want you. Would you show me who you are? Would you say that to Jesus? Would you show me who you are? I need you. And would you say this to him? Would you say, Jesus, there's a lot of information out there, but tonight I choose to start with you. Would you save me? Would you rescue me? Would you show me who you are? Would you say that to him? I'm willing to believe. Say that to Jesus. I'm willing to believe. Would you help me believe even more? If that's you tonight, we're going to be having this music playing, and we're doing it deliberately so we can all look at God. Look at the screens. If you want to come forward and you want to just talk through, you want to wrestle through, you want to go further than what we, I did with you now, if you prayed that prayer and you know it was authentic in your heart and you wanted to grow and know more, you just had a taste of Jesus tonight. Won't you come to the front here where Dave is and, and Piers? Won't you do that? We'll be here. But don't miss this opportunity. Come and see.